Well, as you uh, heard, all our children are with us today, and I think that's wonderful. And so there may be a little bit of noise, and that is fine. It's a joyful noise, and it won't bother me. And if it won't bother you, I think we're all good. And also, this sermon is for your children, primarily. I, I took it as a challenge to try to write a sermon for children, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So, children, I'm speaking to you right now. This is for you. I'm going to speak to you, and hopefully in ways that you can understand, and we'll see if your parents can figure out what's going on, okay? It'll be kind of like our secret, all right? Our reading this morning is Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 9, followed by 14 through 15, and 21 through 23. You should normally be suspicious when there's a few gaps like that. Read the, read the gaps at home. You'll find that they contribute to this story, but uh, they can be left out and still find the main point here. A little bit of background about this reading. It takes place when Jesus is in his ministry around the Sea of Galilee. He's with his disciples. He's called them. He's healing people, doing amazing things. And some people from Jerusalem heard about what he was doing up there, about 70 miles away. And they were called the scribes. They were scholars. They were people who knew a lot about the law. So they decided to come up there and see what Jesus was up to, kind of figure out who this who this young rock star was that everybody was talking about. They met up with some local Pharisees, some other uh, religious leaders, and they went to Jesus and they asked him a question. It was kind of a sneaky question, though, because they knew the answer already. They thought they did. And, and sometimes when you ask a question that you know the answer to, you're hoping the person you're asking will say the answer that you want to hear. And another way is another way of making your point. It's kind of a sneaky way of doing it. But they were in for a surprise because Jesus gave them an answer that they weren't expecting. He gave them the right answer. And when he did that, he changed everything that they were about, and that was kind of a challenge to them. So listen for that question, and then listen to how Jesus answers it his own way, in a way that makes more sense. Mark 7. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean. That is, they were unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Again, Jesus called to the crowd and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, 
folly, all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and we ask that you would add your blessing to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Children, I'm going to ask you to say amen real quick just so we can get this engine revved up. Can all the children say amen? Amen. All right. Now, do you all know how to play Foursquare? You guys like Foursquare? Foursquare is where you have a big square and it's divided into four smaller squares and each one has a number, doesn't it? One, two, three, four. And the idea behind Foursquare is you always want to be in the number one square, don't you? You want to be the king or the queen of the Foursquare court. And the way you get there is you knock somebody out who's ahead of you. So if you're in the number four, you want to get number three or number two or number one to go out and then you can move up. And the point of the game is to stay in number one as long as you can. And this game never ends. It's a perfect game, is it? There's, there's no ending to this game. You just stay the king of the square for as long as you can. And you do that by you, you hit the ball, and you're supposed to bounce it in somebody else's square, and they have to hit it back. But if they don't, if it flies out, then they're out. Isn't that right? Aren't those the rules for Foursquare? Children, I want you to imagine that you're playing Foursquare. And all of a sudden, another child comes in and starts playing Foursquare. But then they catch the ball, which you're not supposed to do in Foursquare. And they throw the ball at you, and it bounces off you, and it goes out of the court. And they say, you're out. Now I get to move up. That's not the rules of Foursquare, is it? What, what is that the rules to? Who knows? Dodgeball. What if they start playing dodgeball rules on the Foursquare court? Oh, that makes you feel like it's unfair, doesn't it? You know, when, when I'm around children and something is unfair, if somebody's not playing by the rules, that makes them really mad. Can I get an amen, children? Amen. Boy, it's unfair when somebody doesn't play by the rules. And so what happens when somebody's not playing by the rules, where they do something wrong like that? What do you do? What do you do? Go find a big person, right? And you say, that kid's not playing by the rules. That kid's doing something wrong. That kid's not being fair. And what do the adults say? Almost every time. Can you solve the <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Or they say, you know what? Mind your own business. I'll take you. You worry about yourself. You worry about you keeping the rules. Let me take care of that other child. All right? I'll deal with that other one. Something kind of like that is going on in this Bible story I just read to you today. These religious leaders, these scribes and Pharisees, they come up to Jesus and they see that his disciples aren't eating their food with hands that have been washed first. They say they should have washed their hands. They're tattletales. They're saying to Jesus, aren't you concerned about this? What's wrong with your followers? Why? And they were trying to embarrass him, really, is what they were trying to do. And Jesus talks back to them with a way that they weren't quite understanding. He says, you know what? We need to keep track of which rules you're paying attention to because there's two sets of rules here. There was a set of rules, and we'll call them the rules for Foursquare, that are found in the Bible. They're found in the book of Exodus. You know that book with Moses and the burning bush that we heard about and getting the people out of Egypt, going up to the mountain and getting God's law. In that book, there is a rule, there's a law about washing your hands. But that law is only for a few people. It's for the priests who go into the holy place where God is and serve him. 
and the tribe of the Levites who are supposed to help, help the priests. It's for those two, and they're supposed to wash their hands before they got, go into God's holy place. That's the rules to dodgeball, let's say. Well, over the years, people started adding rules to that rule. And those rules aren't in the Bible. This is a very important distinction, a very important difference. There's rules that are in the Bible, and then there's rules that have been added to the Bible. They're called the tradition here. Another word for them is the midrash halakha. Doesn't that sound like a funny word? The midrash? When I was younger and I heard midrash, I thought maybe it was somebody with an itchy belly and they had a rash in the middle of their body and they're itching midrash halakha. Sounds like a terrible disease. The midrash was a fence around the law. They thought the law inside is so holy, we don't want to even get close to breaking it. So we're going to put this fence around it, this midrash, itch, 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 that's, that will keep us. And so if we bump into that fence, then we'll know, and then we won't even get to the center, and we won't break the law. And it's because they thought the law was so holy and good, but there's a problem with that, is that they added these laws to God's law. Their intentions were maybe good, but what came out of it was something completely different. It was a real problem. So an example of that is exactly what's, what this Bible story is talking about. The original law in the middle, the laws to foursquare, was that the priests and the Levites were to wash their hands before they go into the temple. That's it. But over the centuries, they said, let's build a fence around that law. And by the time Jesus was around, that law had changed in the tradition so that everybody had to wash their hands before every meal. That's different, isn't it? Now, if you're washing your hands all the time, then you're going to be keeping this one in the middle. That was the idea behind it. But this led to some problems. And Jesus, in, in essence, is telling these leaders that you are trying to play foursquare with dodgeball rules. You're trying to play foursquare with dodgeball rules, and it doesn't work. And you're trying to tell my disciples that they should wash their hands before they eat. But that's not what the law says. That's what tradition says. Now it gets really interesting. You look at verse 9, and if you have a Bible, this is for the adults at least to follow along. Jesus says, not only do you have the wrong rules, but he's sarcastic when he tells them about it. Some of you children don't know what sarcasm is, but it's, it's when you kind of emphasize something to make a point. Jesus does this to kind of get their attention. In verse 9, he says, you have a fine way of setting aside the, the law in favor of the traditions. That word for fine is this Greek word kalos. It means good, it means excellent, it means true. It's a very positive word. It's the same word that he uses in verse 6 when he talks about Isaiah, where he says, Isaiah was right when he said about you that you people follow traditions. You serve me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Isaiah was right and true and good when he said these things. And then Jesus uses the same words to describe what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. You have a fine way. But it was, it's the same word, but it meant the exact opposite. That's sarcasm. Maybe he would have sounded like this. He might have said, you guys are doing a super job of setting aside the law, which is important, so that you can observe human traditions. Now, children, I, I want to clue you into something that I've learned, evidently, that the world doesn't like rude children. Have you heard that? 
The world doesn't like rude children. And sarcasm is generally thought to be a rude thing to do. Um, but Jesus is sarcastic here, so it must be okay, right? Well, let me put a fence around that law a little bit. It's okay to be sarcastic if you're correcting somebody about the law and tradition in the New Testament. If you're going to do that, <laughs> go for it. And you can tell your parents, pastor said it's okay to be sarcastic in that small area because Jesus did, but it's because he cared. His heart was in the right place. He wanted to say it in a way that would get somebody's attention, and maybe this was the only way he could get their attention was to be a little bit sarcastic to, to them. But it was really pretty funny. You guys are doing a super job. Well done. Good job. Um, but not only is he saying you're, you're playing by the wrong rules, and he tells them sarcastically, he's also saying this. He's saying, mind your own business. You know, the disciples did have problems. Washing their hands wasn't them. They had plenty of other problems. And Jesus does deal with his disciples many times because they make a lot of mistakes. But he says to these people, he says, mind your own business. Look at your own heart. Pay attention to what your heart is doing. Because when they were using the law that way, especially the halakha, the midrash, it was really about what they could see other people doing. They could tell if they were washing their hands. They could see what people were eating. That's what Jesus meant when he talks about what you eat doesn't make you bad or unclean. It's what comes out of you that people can't see that makes you clean. This is true of you when you're in the cafeteria at school, isn't it? If you're going to eat a bento box or a ham sandwich or a cheese stick, everybody can see what you're eating, right? That's, you can see that food. It goes in your mouth, then it disappears. It goes into your body. Those are things we can see you doing, but those don't make you bad or good, or as Jesus says, clean or unclean. He says it's the inside of you that makes a difference. It's the heart that's, that is inside of you, and it's from the heart that unclean things come. It's from the heart that we are bad. And Jesus talks about your heart. And some of you may have had science class. You know that there's this organ inside your chest that pumps blood all throughout your Bible. That's not what he was talking about, although it's the same word. When Jesus talks about the heart, that was a word that was used for that part of us that makes decisions, that chooses what to do. As we know it, that would probably be closer to our brains, right? They didn't quite understand it back then. But really, it's the core of who we are. It's what we think about ourselves and what we think about the world and how we make decisions based on that. And he says the heart is a real problem. What's inside of us is a real problem. There's a whole list of things that come from it. You saw me looking at my watch while I was reading it. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. I, can't, I don't have time to explain what all those things mean, even to the adults. I think we could have a separate sermon on each of these awful things, and maybe someday we will if I see too many more of them happening. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We all need this list. The heart is full of these awful things they make us, that makes us do awful things. And Jesus is here talking about the law. The law is important, but he says it's not going to make us clean. Keeping the law won't change us. It won't change our hearts now, this is for the adults. If you read through Romans and Galatians especially, this is, and I hope you read it to your children, this is what Paul means when he says that keeping the works of the law 
will not make you righteous. Those are external things. The law doesn't work that way. It doesn't have that power. The law cannot make you holy. We still need it very bad. Uh, the law is a very good thing. The law has an interesting function. It, it's like a teacher. If you remember the authorized version, we call it the King James Version sometimes. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he says, the law is like a schoolmaster. It teaches us that we need Jesus. It teaches us that we're broken, that our hearts are unclean. And that's all the law can do. It tells us that we're unclean. There's a law that says, as Jesus said, there's a law against stealing. We know we shouldn't steal. We know we shouldn't take our friend's crayons. And inside the heart, there's full of theft. You look at the law, and it makes you realize that your own heart wants to do things that you know you shouldn't. Jesus ends on a really sad note here. The last thing he says is, all these bad things come out of the human heart. And that's where it ends. Could kind of go home feeling kind of sad, right? Because the heart is in such a terrible place. Um, but he wants us to ask the question. And later in the Bible, sometimes his disciples, when he says something really tough like this, they ask this really good question. They say, well, then what hope is there? How can we... How can we get past this problem that our heart is unclean and only unclean things come out of us? Jesus wants us to ask that question today. We look inside, we see we're unclean. How can we get clean? If your heart is unclean, you're going to do unclean, un unclean things. But if your heart is clean, if your heart is clean, you will do clean things. You will do good things. The Bible tells us that there is a way to be made clean is to ask God for a new heart. Do you want a new heart? Ask God for a new heart, a clean heart. Jesus died on the cross for this reason, to give us a new heart, a clean heart. And when you're clean, the law, as important as it is, it'll just fall in place because in essence, it will be written on your heart. Your heart will know what to do because the law will be there. You will have the rules of four square on your heart. And you'll always play foursquare by the rules because it'll be, become part of you. The way to get clean, the way to get foursquare on your heart is to tell God, tell God, I'm not clean, but I really want Jesus to come into my heart and make it his own and clean it up. And you know when that happens and you see somebody else who's not keeping the rules, who's not being fair, it's not going to bother you the same way. The old you would be mad at that. You'd want God to punish that person for it. The new you with a new heart will be sad about it for them. And you'll want to come alongside them and help them to find Jesus. So Jesus is asking each of us, stop looking at other people and the rules they're playing by. Pay attention to your own heart. Look at your heart. Look at the law. And if you are unclean, go to him in repentance and ask him to create in you a clean heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we don't have to keep the law hoping that it will make us clean, but that Jesus on his cross gave us a new heart, a clean heart, and that you write the law on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.